Do you like to be told what to do? I'm, I'm going to guess the answer is no. That you appreciate and enjoy your individualism. But there are times in our life when we're feeling insecure, uncertain, out of control, that we can turn to others to give us that what we are lacking. But when that goes to an extreme, we got a problem. And that problem is called totalitarianism. And that is the subject that we are going to be looking at today. You are listening to Beatitudes Church Worship Podcast. And for those of you who are listening for the first time, what we decided to do was to create a worship service that was focused upon your ears. Now, some of you are watching this either live or at a later time on video. And that's great. We're glad you did. But everything we are doing here in this service, and as we continue to add other elements as we move forward, because we do have some neat ideas that we're going to explore, uh, the main purpose is, is that this is something that you could listen to while you're driving your car, while you're at the gym, wherever you may be, that you can listen to this just purely as audio and that it will be geared for that. And so you're going to hear two elements in this service. You're going to hear the monologue, and then after that, I'm going to be joined by the incredible, the invincible, <clears throat> and snorting Janelle Topwin. <laughs> Sorry, I just couldn't resist. <laughs> How are you this morning, snorting Janelle? I'm incredible, <laughs> evidently. <laughs> you doing all right this morning? Yeah, I'm good. Good. Do you like to be told what to do? No, well, mm. Mm. <laughs> I guess it would depend on the situation. Uh-huh. Um, typically, no. You, you appreciate your freedom to be able to choose what... Yeah, I guess I do. But how about when you get insecure, when you feel uncertain? Do you like... I'm looking for the knight on the white horse. You're looking for an answer. I am. Wow. So what we've discovered this week, you and I in our work, was that this mm -hmm. phenomena isn't just something that has occurred within the last 20-some years of the 21st century, but it also was dominant in the 20th, and then we can even go back into the 19th century. Yeah. But it, then it even goes further back to some of the stories that we find in the Bible. Really? Where this idea of wanting to be able mm -hmm. to have someone rule over you, either individually or collectively as a country, wanting someone mm -hmm. who will take care of your problems. Right. And I think you have a story to tell us. I have some scripture yeah, from which, what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah, which is a story of this. So today's scripture kind of made me think of um, something the great Mickey Mantle said. Wow, look at that. Yeah, dropping names. I know. He says there are two kinds of people. There are leaders and there are followers. And I'm a follower. That does, that does not make sense. Because you just got done be telling me you don't like... No, that was Mickey Mantle. Oh, Mickey Mantle I says he's I know what I a, am. Mickey Mantle says he's a follower? Yeah. Even despite all he the... He said there are two kinds of people, leaders and followers. And all I'm the a follower. And all the achievements he did... Yeah. He, Wow. But I guess if you're playing on a team and you have a coach right. uh, or manager. Wow. Well, I don't know. So let's talk about Gideon from Judges 8, 22 to 28. Gideon ephod. Do you know what an ephod is? Do you have an ephod? I do not. 
This is a garment worn by Jewish priests. Yes, when they were going to, uh, I think, try to discern the will of God or something like that. Oh, wow. I think that's what it's for. And you don't have an ephod? Nope. Stole? Nope. I'm not good enough to get one yet. Oh, okay. Well, the Israelites said to Gideon, rule over us. You, your son, and your grandson, because you have saved us from the hand of Midian. But Gideon told them, I will not rule over you, nor will my son rule over you. The Lord will rule over you. And he said, I do not have one request that each of you give me an earring. I do have one request that each of you give me an earring from your share of the plunder. It was the custom of the Ishmaelites to wear gold earrings. They answered, we'll be glad to give them. So they spread out a garment and each of them threw a ring from his plunder onto it. The weight of the gold rings he asked for came to 1700 shekels, not counting the ornaments, the pendants and the purple garments worn by the kings of Midian or the chains that were on their camel's necks. Gideon made the gold into an ephod, which he placed in Ophrah, his town. As Israel prostituted themselves by worshiping it there, and it became a snare to Gideon and his family. Gideon's death. Thus Midian was subdued before the Israelites and did not raise its head again. During Gideon's lifetime, the land had peace for 40 years. Years. Mm. Spoiler alert. You, you know what's amazing on that one is he said, I don't want you, I don't want to rule over you. I turn that down, which is amazing itself, turning yeah. down power. But the second one I find interesting is hmm. it, it, he basically kind of plundered them. He taxed them and said, mm-hmm. I don't want the power, but I, I'll do. T- I'll take all the. Your earrings. Right. Which, by the way, would be. It's kind of interesting that men back then, the Midianites enjoyed wearing their uh, gold that's earrings. That's what I was wondering. And they put chains on their camels, which yeah. were obviously worth something. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, spoiler alert. Today's monologue is about totalitarianism. Yes. That's really hard to say. It is. But our founding minister, Reverend Bill Nelson, preached about this in 1980. And as a postscript to his message, one of our very talented and creative members, Joan Hunting, she was inspired to write the following poem in limerick style. Three cheers for good old Gideon, who fought the folks of Midian. His feet provoked a vote of thanks from friends of high and lowly ranks, who begged him, Please rule over us, or if you want, roll over us. We want to keep the Lydian and make sure we'll be Ridion of all those folks from Midian, to which Gideon said, You've got to be Kideon. <laughs> <laughs> That's unique poetry. I thought that was very clever. Yeah, very, it is very clever. And very I apropos. Yeah. So we will be right back with our monologue.
It is uncanny how timely some stories can be. You read them once and then you come back to them and go, ah, now I see the connection. Take the ancient story of Gideon that was just read from us from the Hebrew Bible. Generations have been able to read this story. But it was Gideon who appears on the scene just when his people need a leader. Just when they yearn from, for some source of security and stability in their relationships with others. The days of the Hebrews' wilderness wanderings were over. They were no longer nomads. Instead, they settled down in what they called the promised land. And they became farmers and herdsmen. But there was a problem. You see, each year at harvest time, bands of Bedouins would stream across the Jordan River and plunder their crops, steal their hard-earned produce, and leave them broken and bitter. The biblical language says these plunderers were like a plague of locusts, devouring the land before them. Can you imagine that? Every single year, you plant your crop, you tend it, you go out, and then these people come in, and they take it. And there's nothing you can do about it. Well, that's when Gideon comes on the scene. You see, Gideon was a natural leader. And so Gideon gathered to, get to himself a band of warriors. And in short order, he brought order to the lives of the Hebrew people. He ended the yearly plundering of the Midianites. He secured the borders for his people to once again farm. He brought stability, stability to their lives. Indeed, as the biblical narrative suggests, as Janelle read, the land had rest and peace for 40 years because of Gideon. It is little wonder then that the men of Israel, as our biblical lesson for this day reports, said to Gideon, rule over us. It is very surprising, however, to have Gideon respond, I will not. I will not rule over you, only the Lord may do that. So here we have a classical situation repeated how many times in the long sweep of human history? A people, sore pressed by problems, insecure and troubled, conclude there is only one way out of this, a man on a white horse, a leader to tell us what to do, someone to rule over us. So what is so bad about that? Well, after all, show me a, a school or a church or a business or a nation which is flourishing, and I will show you that their leadership is successful. But that is not the question. The question is, what kind of leadership? How many in our time look for someone to whom they can say, rule over us, tell us what to do, Better yet, do it for us. That is the totalitarian temptation. You can find it everywhere these days, not just comfortably tucked into some distant biblical memory. For example, over the last year and a half, given the uncertainties of COVID-19, there are those who are looking for a person of authority to give them the answers, to tell them what to do. Should I take the vaccine or not? Should I wear a mask or not? Should I go inside places or not? The problem, however, 
is that we are so divided as a country as to whom we can trust, to whom we can look for leadership. And it seems we have an abundance of individuals saying, here, look at me. I have the answers. I can rule over you. And the totalitarian temptation is to give them that role in exchange for a sense of security and certainty. Another example of this temptation for totalitarianism, someone to tell us what we ought to do to unite us, is the diversity that we are continuing to experience here in our country. The diverse expressions of humanity, and it doesn't matter if it's race, gender, religion, or any other expression of diversity, those expressions continue to expand within our country, and it leaves some feeling very unsettled. The recent calls to acknowledge and then right the injustices that are throughout our country being expressed through marches, demonstrations, sit-ins, and other civic expressions, these have created a sense of disorder, leaving some to conclude that pluralism yeah, well, it's a nice idea. It would be a lot better if everyone would follow the beat of one drum, one drummer, if you would, even if force is required to make the outliers comply. So as unsettled as we might feel at this time in so many different areas of our life, we need to ask ourselves if the only way out is to say to someone or some group of people, as the Israelites said to Gideon, hey, rule over us. Is the only way that of a national government who will tell us what to do and when, who will mother us and then dominate us, who will relieve us of our dangerous freedom and tell the newspapers and businessmen and preachers just what to say? Is that the only way to orderliness and to peace? If so, we may get 40 years of peace, as the biblical narrative suggests, when the land is at rest, but also it'll be when the human spirit is destroyed and we all end as peas in a pod, lookalikes, obedient but spiritually deceased. And there is another way in which the totalitarian temptation comes to us. It comes to us piecemeal, a little bit at a time. If you would, it's on the installment plan, little by little, bit by bit. So how does that happen? Well, it's actually quite simple. You can think about 9-11. An emergency arises, a crisis develops, and there is always the temptation to let the government assume powers that would be regarded as intolerable in normal times. It is the old martial law syndrome in which freedom is surrendered, and we think, well, just only for a brief moment, only until order is restored, only until the crisis is passed. But here's the problem. The trouble is, as the long history of government suggests, what are adopted as emergency measures often are frozen in concrete. And we end up with the creeping government system which may finally strangle us. You may read about this not just in the daily press, but in your Bible. It, it is there. 
Don't ever suppose what I am talking about this morning is only politics. It is very much what biblical religion has always concerned itself with. How remarkable then, when Gideon is asked, rule over us, to hear him reply, nope, I will not rule over you. Only God can do that. For millennia, most persons were never really permitted to think for themselves. They were born into their religion. Their job was decided for them when they were a kid. A life mate was chosen for them. They didn't choose their own. And the government was something they could not even discuss, let alone even understand. Those things which really make a person human were denied the vast majority of persons over the centuries. And what is it then that makes us human? You can name culture, art, music, poetry, but most of all, the freedom to choose. If a person does not have guaranteed civil rights, if he is not protected from arbitrary action by the authorities, if she lacks freedom of movement, of vocation, of a change in lifestyle, then she is not fully human. But most of all, perhaps, is this. She or he must be free to traffic in ideas which is why Americans have put such importance of the freedom of religion and the freedom of press. For unless a person can think his or her own thoughts and be free to find new thoughts, that person, yeah, they're not fully human. There is great dangers in the totalitarian temptation. It is a temptation that brings order at the price of freedom, security at the cost of one's humanness. It may be too high a price to cry out to some modern-day Gideon, hey, rule over us. The Christian case for democracy is that no one person's voice is the voice of authority or the voice of God. And no single person should have that much authority over us. The authority should be spread around. We should never say to any one person, as the Israelites said to Gideon, rule over us. That hardly means that there is no place for leadership. We need leadership. It merely means that all leadership must be made accountable accountable to the larger group of people and humane principles. Principles such as we find in the teachings of Jesus and shared along with other spiritual figures. Individuals, one by one, in their uniqueness in individuality is what government ought to be. It is the soul of democracy. The totalitarian says, a person exists for the sake of the state. In a democracy, we say, the state exists primarily for the sake of the person. Unfortunately, we have too easily confused the nature of our democratic republic with the notion that the essence of democracy is the rule of the majority. That's nonsense. A dictatorship can be that, and it often is. 
And the totalitarian temptation commonly appeals to the majority. No. The distinctive democratic notion and the biblical ideal is not the rule of the majority, but the rights of the minorities. There's a peculiar ideal which haunts the world, and that is what freedom is all about. The loyal opposition must be heard. Minorities have rights. The majority cannot impugn, and every person has a higher loyalty than the state. Our American public, republic has taught us that. Our biblical faith, they taught it to us first. Today we hear cries for freedom, freedom to exercise our rights. And in order to exercise that freedom within society, we need to have the character to use it wisely and well. For freedom has a price. It must be balanced. Listen carefully. It must be balanced by intelligence and character. And right here is the heart of the problem. That is the problem of the totalitarian temptation. The totalitarians want to control people. We cannot run wild without damage to one another or to our fragile environment. But there are only two ways of controlling people. Either, number one, by coercion from without, or by the development of intelligence and character from within. You see, whenever there is the cry, rule over us, you may be sure that personal character is on the decline. And that is the real crisis of our time. And that is why we must be about the work of the church. But even more to the point, that is why you must begin with you. There is nowhere else to begin. That is the painful crux of the matter. A free society cannot be merely inherited. It must be chosen over and over by each generation. A totalitarian society can, in a manner, be inherited. It rests upon coercion, and with enough power, it can often be handed from one ruler to the next. But that is the crux of the matter. You cannot inherit what you must choose. And the mark of being truly human is to be able to choose. Do not, and I plead with you, be tempted to give away that gift of your humanness. So I leave you with this question. Will you remember the incredible response that Gideon gave when he asked, will you rule over us? But he replied, nope, I will not rule over you. Only God can do that.
So let's dialogue about totalitarianism. Yeah, you said that well this time. I really had to like look it up and look at the pronunciation because I always stumble over it. Yeah. You know what? I finally sat with this yesterday. Okay. When we talked the other day about all this, it yes. was lofty and esoteric. That's what and you said. And the fact that I'm saying those two words really, really emphasizes how removed this is for me. Like, <laughs> my first question, it was kind of depressing because it made me realize I feel like I'm not being heard by my um, official, government officials. Mm. So how do you get heard when there's so much noise? Well, I, I think the answer to me on that one is, number one, is your vote. And I think a lot of us feel like, well, that's a minor thing. Yeah. Because what is, I mean, I remember when we lived in California, they were calling elections before we were even voting some, some years. Wow. When there was, the, you okay, know, large yeah. sweeps right. um, decades ago. I think, though, the, the act of voting is more than just the act itself, which is important. Mm -hmm. But I think the act of voting empowers us with our voice. That's the first step. I mean, if you're not even willing to vote, then you, you basically True. have silented yourself. True. But if you're willing to vote, then at least you've empowered yourself a little bit. And, and even if you feel like this vote doesn't matter, it was your choice. And when you don't even vote, you are not choosing. And that is something that can lead eventually to giving your voice to another person. Agreed. But this is, for me, um, locally, <laughs> I don't feel like currently right now that my voice is being heard. But we will have a chance, you know, in 2022 when we, when we yeah, vote for our governor. I'm not advocating not voting. Right. No. But I think that's all. first of all. And then the other one is to get involved, if you choose, with other like-minded people, people who have your same interest. And because then you have a collective voice. And yes, but where do you go for common principles? There's so much diversity right now. Yes, but there are, you see, I think the problem is, this is just my opinion, but I think the problem is, is the media is putting so much emphasis upon the extremes because they, mm -hmm. th that is interesting. When you talk to someone in the middle who's like, well, I'm thinking about this, I'm working this out, yeah. versus if you can put on the news someone who's fervent, either on the left or the right, oh man, that, that's, that's money in the bank. Yes, but there's social media and everybody has their own megaphone now. Correct. There's just so many, vo it's noise. It, it is, and that's again where it comes back to the personal choice and the resources that you decide to put your eyes upon. I mean, you have a choice. If you want to get your news, and I'm not saying you do personally, yeah. but if people want to get their news and be informed through social media, that that's their choice. True. If they want to look for something that is more balanced to read those resources that lean maybe a little to the left, as well as those who lean to the right, not mm -hmm. the extremes, then, they, then we become informed. I'll tell you a quick story. What? I grew up in a very fundamentalist denomination, went to college, seminary mm -hmm. in that denomination. And I remember when I was started reading books that were 
more stretching of my mind as far as God mm -hmm. and the Bible and things like that. Yeah. And I was talking to one of the history professors that was at the college where I was a professor, and I complained about, why didn't someone tell me this when I was younger? <laughs> and he looked at me and said, and said oh, hey, Tony, mm -hmm. where you went to college and where you went to get your master's, mm -hmm. did, did they have a library? Mm -hmm. Nice. That's all he said. So was it frowned upon? Oh, yeah. To, to educate yourself, I guess, about yeah. the Bible and open it and well, read it and... Well, I think that's why this subject is more than just political. And we could focus on the political. Yeah. I mean, there are plenty of articles talking about that before Trump, you know, 10, 20 years before President uh, Trump had his, um, has hit, had his four years, yeah. there were many people who felt we were moving in this direction of totalitarianism. But, mm -hmm. I, but I would rather focus on the other, and that is in the right. area of Christianity or the area of, of religion in general. Okay. I think it's really easy mm -hmm. for individuals to give that choice their voice mm -hmm. to religious leaders. And I wonder if within local spiritual communities, not all, yeah. but I wonder if in some, and in some denominations, yeah. we have a form of totalitarianism. So do we call out those religions that you're speaking of? <laughs> I, I don't. <laughs> Which well, ones, Tony? <laughs> I, may, I may not, but, but Thomas Merton did. Oh. Thomas Merton was a monk. Yeah. And he said the following. What? A mass movement readily exploits the discontent and frustration of large segments of the population, which for some reason or another cannot face the responsibility of being persons and standing on their own feet. This is from a monk. I mean, hmm. but gives these persons a movement to join, a cause to defend, mm -hmm. and they will go to any extreme, stop at no crime, intoxicated as they are by the slogans that give them a pseudo-religious sense of transcending their own limitations. Hmm. And if you can have someone come along in the name of God. Right. Individualism goes out the window. Yeah, I, tell, I think that was the one challenge so. that I had... Because what we do here on the Beatitudes Worship Podcast is I take ancient sermons, and by ancient, I mean, like... Anything. 1980? Yeah. <laughs> so we take old sermons. Wow. And, and I rework them in my mind and, yes. and with current research and then come mm -hmm. up with something new. Mm -hmm. I think the one thing that I found challenging when I first read this sermon, though... What? was that over and over it said that we will have no ruler, I will not be your ruler, only God will rule over you. Yeah. I think the temptation, though, is how does God rule over you other than through another human being? Right. I mean, we can't forget about the collective. Can we? Well, I mean but again, that's one of the things that I found positive in this sermon was that if we allow the collective to become the and listen to the majority, mm -hmm. but it, as you know, the writer of the sermon said, 
-hmm. that isn't a democracy. The majority is not the democracy because other, then what you're doing is you're ignoring the minorities. How do you balance and find the compromise? I think that's where it really boils down to looking at the nation as a whole. When you think about it, in many ways, uh, there was a fascinating podcast with Andrew Sullivan as the guest on it. And he said one of the things that happens is when we have these pandemics or plagues that run through a, a, a human society, mm -hmm. one of the things that he says happens is in the end, it can actually become an equalizer. And, mm. and for example, he yeah. said that if you look during HIV, yeah. um, during the AIDS epidemic, mm -hmm. one of the things that happened with that movement was that it brought about a unification of the LGBTQ community to start mm -hmm. speaking louder and louder True. about their rights when it came to same-sex marriage, when it came to uh, being able to have the same um, protections, civil protections. Mm -hmm. And many people think this COVID-19 when we were all in lockdown and we had these demonstrations and some prefer right. to call them riots, right. that that may be, we don't know yet, but that may be an impetus for a new shift. But that also is very, very troubling to people. Right. I mean, when you begin to see, I mean, think about it. We watched on TV and one one news network was calling it a demonstration and the yeah. ex, the other one was calling it a riot. A riot. So uh, that's just it. There's so many marginalized people <laughs> and issues. And I don't know how we come to a common ground. I think it's called representation. You know, that's why we have the census. Okay, the census but religiously? Oh, religiously? Yeah. Well, I don't, I don't personally, I, I think the only way that I see the individuality beginning to write, kind of rise up mm -hmm. is people walking away from church altogether. I think they're being tired of hearing yes. this is, they're being told this is what you have to believe. Right. This is what God wants for your life. And if you don't mm -hmm. do it, you're going right, right. to the bad place. Versus the good place. <laughs> That's a great show. Anyway. It was a great show. <laughs> but what's interesting, though, I think, is that they're walking away while many other individuals are doubled down. You know, they're doubling down on it. Yeah. Because when you feel uncertain, what greater way to find a sense of, of peace and control than having a, either a man or a woman, which, in, unfortunately, today, it's typically men stand yes, up and tell right. you, this is what God wants for your life. And that's why mm -hmm. I wonder at times is if spiritual people allow a individual to become a, a totalitarian. It's that temptation. Yeah. It's, I'm unapologetically a follower. So <laughs> I have to put up a really big but, but what's amazing, again, I'm going to go back to the very beginning. When we talked about this, you said you mm -hmm. don't like people telling you what to do. You, I would assume, knowing you for the last uh, almost two years, you three years. Wow. Uh, <laughs> I would assume 
that you don't like your husband walking around telling you what to do and that anything he says, it's no it, yes, sir. Way. Yes, sir. Right. So, but <laughs> then why, why do you say you're a follower when it comes to religion? I don't know. I have to, I, it's, it's, it's so big and so intimate to me. And, and, and I want to get it right. I've told you that. Yes. And I think that, Janelle, is a problem that I had and I think a lot of people have. Hmm. Is that we want to get it right mm-hmm. because we're scared of God. Okay. Maybe that's it. And if you're scared of God. Yes. Then. What if we got it wrong? You can, you're right. <laughs> if you're scared of God, there can be no gray areas. No. So instead, what you need is you need to find what is black and what is white. Mm-hmm. And, and lay it out for me. Yep. And I'm going to follow those yep. rules because, yeah. But the problem is, is we think that we're following those rules. But we have to understand that there's a human being behind them. True. Now, that human well, being may claim that God told uh, yes, them. Yes, I was going to say. If they're a theist, they're going to tell you that it was inspired and this is the word of God coming through me. And, and that's where, that's where example in, in Jeremiah, you know, there's this big showdown before the king between Jeremiah and these other prophets. Which one is talking for God? Mm. I, and Jeremiah lost initially. So I think that's the problem is we want someone to tell us this is what God wants versus... Mm-hmm listening, and then reflecting for ourselves and belonging to a community that does that. Because to live and in a... And feeling confident in, in the choice that you make. Or tentative in your confidence because you may change your mind. That's wishy-washy. But that's life. <laughs> no. Yeah, no, I mean, think I about it. Absolutes. Yes, but think about right now during COVID-19. Mm-hmm. There are people that want absolutes and have mm-hmm. said, I will not get the vaccine. And then they watch someone they love and care about either suffer or die from this virus, and they change their mind. That is the power of, human, of, of being a human being, is the ability to think and to reason and then make a choice and to be able to change your mind. True. And I think that's what it comes to God is that if we're not willing to reflect mm-hmm. and, and when everything we listen to and then have a group of people that you can bounce those ideas off of. Yes. Unfortunately, we don't have those groups around a lot. I mean, think about all right now, all the, the different... Um, fantasy football leagues that are going on. <laughs> you know, okay, they're, yeah. they're, they're, they're getting ready to do their drafts. Yes. I mean, that, think about it. They, these people will get together and they'll watch games together and they'll talk together. Yeah. It's a sense of community. Uh-huh. Why can't we find that in the area of religion? Where people can talk about things and they're not going to be judged they're not going to be treated differently because they say an idea that someone disagrees with. I think that's possible, but not for the entire collective of society. If not, then who are we going to give that one voice to? I, we won't. We have so many 
separate voices. And that's why Noise. this is called the totalitarian temptation. <laughs> we want one person yes. or one party yes. to say, this is, this is it. This is it. And not be a dictator about it. And when we do that, we lose. And I don't think you, I don't know if you, I think you can be a dictator without being a totalitarian. But I don't know. Yeah. Is, is there such a thing as a benevolent? Dictator, yeah. Dic oh, yeah. Dictator, no, um, totalitarianism person. Or, or a group of people. <laughs> I, I don't think so. Because what they do is they really want to control people. And the way you do that is coercing them. That's how you, you, you tell them that you have the truth, that everything else is untrue, cannot be trusted, that mm -hmm. only what you are telling them can be trusted. That creates problems. There's no such thing as a totalitarian love person, like ruling with love. You know, and that's what I think is the power, again, of Thomas Merton. He said the following, and we'll close with this idea. Okay. Thomas Merton urges us to remember the latent capacity for love, patience, and creative generative silence that dwells in each of us. The spirit of love can resist and overcome the spirit of totalitarianism, a spirit of violent othering, I would hasten to add that can infect mass movements on the left just as totally and absolutely as it seems to have overtaken the political right in our times. There, Eugenelle, mm. you tapped on it. Okay. If we have a sense of love and patience, and yes. I love what he says, silence, to really mm. listen to each other, like you said. We want to be heard. Yeah. Nice. All right, our time together has come to a close. Thank you for having joined us here on Beatitudes Church Worship Podcast. We'll be back in the first Sunday in September. We're already in September, Janelle. Oh. First of September, seriously? we'll be back. But between now and then, take a listen to some of our other podcasts. We have one next week that is called The Closer Look, where we take one major article and we focus in on it. And it's a lively discussion, as well as weekly. You can listen to Between the Lines, one, two, three, where we take three articles and we meld humanities and religion together as we look at those articles. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for your time and stay safe out there.